Well, my message tonight is God's heart for hurting people. God's heart for hurting people. And I think it's kind of, you know, it goes without saying, there are so many people in our world that are hurting. You know people that are hurting. You have family members are hurting. And maybe even tonight, you yourself, you're hurting. And I want to talk about not only physical hurt, but I want us to look at from the scripture, and, and if we can go ahead and get the uh, scripture up there tonight, I want us to look at how God brings deliverance and healing to us spiritually, emotionally, and physically as well. So let's begin with the word of the Lord this evening. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum, and when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. Well, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, unlike the teachers of religious law. There was something about Jesus' ministry, and there was something about the way that he taught that it carried authority. Now, we looked at that Sunday morning. We looked at how the anointing, when the Holy Spirit descended upon our Lord like a dove, how that Jesus began his ministry, went into the wilderness, he was tempted. We looked at how he fought those temptations and won those temptations. And now he's ministering, he's preaching, he's teaching with authority, and the people are amazed. And there is a kind of teaching from the Word of God that you feel its weight and you feel its authority. I want you to look at this next passage. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Now imagine, not only the sick, but this is a, this is a, this is a powerful passage right here. Because a lot of times, people have tried to say that sickness was caused by the devil. Sin was what brought sickness into the world. The devil didn't cause sickness to come in the world. But I want you to look at how the Word of God delineates between those that are sick and those that are oppressed of the devil. That's a key point in this statement I want you to see right here. So that evening after sunset, many that were sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. And the whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. Again, two different things, people that were healed with sickness and people who were battling things that were caused by evil. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Now, that's an important point because that tells us there that these unclean, these evil spirits, they have knowledge. They knew who Jesus was. They recognized Jesus before other people recognized Jesus. And I love the way this passage closes up. But before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. You and I will never escape our need for daily prayer and communion with the Lord. I'd like you to look at this next verse as well from the book of Psalms 147 and 3 because this is where I really... When I read those passages, this is the passage that I think about, and this is where I really want to anchor the title in, and then we'll just kind of go through those passages we looked at. He heals, talking about the Lord, he heals the brokenhearted, and he bandages their wounds. That's an amazing statement to me, that the God of the universe is so interested, cares so much about us, he not only heals the sick, but he takes us and he gives us our life, he bandages us, he nurses us, he protects us, he raises us back to health. How can you not love a Savior like that? Back in the 70s, there was a song when I was a much younger man then with no gray hair in my head, 
And by the way, I was a lot thinner in those days as well. There was a song out by a man named Gilbert O'Sullivan called Alone Again Naturally. And I used to hum that tune. If you're my age, you probably know the song. If not, you probably are maybe younger and you've heard the song somewhere because the song, although it has a really catchy tune, the song was really a sad song. The, the guy talks about being left in the lurch at the church. He talks about his, his uh, going to get married. The girl didn't show up. And everybody says, well, let's just go home. And he's left again alone naturally. He tells the story and as he goes through uh, the song of how his mother lost the only man she'd ever loved at 65 years old, and she's left alone again naturally. And as the song proceeds, it's, it's really a sad song. The, the, the singer in the song is hurting and is, is thinking about ending his life. He's thinking about committing suicide. And so when I think about brokenhearted people, sometimes it's from illness that they feel like they're never going to overcome. Sometimes it's issues of abandonment. Sometimes it's emotional and psychological issues where people are ready to give up on their life. Well, the first thing I want you to see, and this comes right out of that first chapter of Mark where we begin reading tonight, is that Jesus gives us a purpose for our life. Jesus gives us a purpose. There are many people that get up and go to work every single day without any real purpose in their life. There are many people that uh, before work began to change, they gave their lives to a company. They worked 30, 35 years for a company, and then all of a sudden, a company that they thought would uh, provide for their retirement, suddenly they were raided or they overextended themselves, and then they were left in the lurch. Maybe not at the church, but they were left in the lurch, and the company they thought would be there and the pension they thought would be there was gone. And then there are other people, they get up, they go to work, they successfully get their retirement, and yet there's no real purpose in their life. Their only purpose may be to eat, to drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. But somewhere in the night, somewhere by themselves, everyone who lives with that philosophy of life eventually comes to the place where they ask themselves, what's it all about? I read two articles last week, one in the Wall Street Journal, one in the Atlantic, talking about the meaningless of life, both of them written by uber-successful people who basically said life is meaningless. You live, you have your experiences, you die, and that's it. What a morbid way of thinking. Jesus gives us a purpose for living, a purpose for our marriages, a purpose for raising our children, a purpose for how we spend our, our vocational time, our career time, our family time, a purpose that's meant to glorify him. Look at this next passage. Jesus called out to these fishermen. Once, two of them's name was, uh, was John uh, and it hit his brother, uh, uh, I can't even remember his brother right now, but Simon and Andrew were the other two. So there were four sons he called out, John and James. I'm sorry, drawing a, a brainstone here. But look at Jesus calls out to them. He says, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and they followed him. Now, that's an amazing statement right there. Here is Simon and Andrew they're fishing for a living. They're building their livelihoods. They're, this is their job. This is their vocation. There's John and James. Their, their father is Zebedee, and evidently he's a successful fisherman, and they hope to inherit the family business. And maybe they're just going to work. Maybe they're just fishing every single day, going out on the Sea of Galilee, 
catching fish, bringing them in, selling them at the market. And maybe somewhere along the lines, they begin to ask themselves, what's it all about? And then Jesus calls them and gives us a purpose for life. Some people are brokenhearted because they're living every single day without a purpose in life. I believe it's one of the reasons that made Pastor Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, rocket to the top of the bestseller list and why there have been purpose-driven devotional books and purpose-driven workbooks and purpose-driven church books and purpose-driven conferences because Pastor Rick Warren hit upon a nerve that is real. People hurt when they don't have a purpose. You know, if I were you, I'd write out tonight, what is my purpose in life? What am I living for? What am I doing that eternally matters? And Jesus gave to these disciples an eternal purpose. The second thing I want you to see from these scriptures tonight when it comes to hurting people is Jesus delivers us from the influence of unclean spirits. And that word influence is so real. Because I know there are many, many people that no longer believe in the existence of devils and demons, and those same people eventually began to believe that there is no God. But whether you believe it or not, it doesn't change the fact that we live in a world that this material world, this three-dimensional world that we live in, is nothing compared to the realm of the Spirit that's around us. We looked at that Sunday morning where when Jesus was baptized in water, the heavens were open to him. Not the sky above us, not the space where the planets and the comets are, but the heavens, the eternities, the unseen world. Let me show you again just an example of this. There was a man in synagogue. I was just think about if we were in church, and suddenly a man in synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Jesus, why are you interfering with us? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him and said, be quiet, come out of the man he ordered. Now, there's several things I want you to know. Number one, if this man was, was possessed by this evil spirit, he was not a happy man. If this man was possessed by this evil spirit, he was not a contented man. There may have been, re- well, let me rephrase what I just said. Not if, but he was possessed. I can tell you, in his possession, he was not a happy man. He was not a contented man. You know, if you've ever read the story of Faust and Faustian, if you sell your soul to the devil, he may give you power, he may give you something you want, but in exchange, he will take your soul, he will take your joy, he will take your happiness. And we've all know people who've sold their soul, so to speak, for, the, for money, for power, for an affair, or for something like that. Evil is very complex. Evil is not as simple as some people make it. There is an unseen enemy. We talked about this on Sunday morning. Would you rather be tempted with the resources of the Holy Spirit or without the resources of the Holy Spirit? Every one of us are going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted. I'm going to be tempted. People who don't even believe in God are tempted every day. But you can have the resources of the Holy Spirit. Evil is very complex. The Bible says that news about Jesus began to spread as far away as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their diseases or sicknesses, if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Now, leave that up for just a second. Notice there, sickness, disease, demon-possessed, or epileptic. Friends, you've got to admire the wisdom of God being revealed through this young man, Mark, that's left for us in the gospel here. God is not a simplistic God. 
the complexity of evil, God begins to break it down for us. So if I were you, I would underline those. I just understand tonight that we fight against an enemy who is cunning, who is sly, and who is clever. Well, let's look at four reasons that people get depressed. Because I believe that sometimes we just have to get right down to what's going on here. Number one, it can be physiological. In other words, you need better medicine, you need better nutrition, you need better rest, you need to sleep more. I know I'm someone that just physiologically, I don't seem to require a lot of sleep. I don't typically sleep a long time. But there are times when my life gets so demanding and maybe I have to be up really late or there's a late night call and I can miss a couple of days of rest and I can begin to feel it affect my thinking. I can begin to affect my body. And so I just know that I need to mark off a little extra time and, and, and take a nap or something. And it's just something you've got to get better rest. Or I've noticed about myself and, and from everything I've read, it's true about everybody, if you don't eat healthy, if you don't eat clean, then the next day you're going to pay for it. So sometimes there's just physiological things, whether it's lack of rest or maybe you need medication, there's some chemical balance that's off in your body. Sometimes it's moral. And if it's moral moral, morality issues that are causing it, then you need to confess your sins. You need to ask God to forgive you. You need to ask the person that you sinned against to forgive you. And you need grace. You need grace from God, and you need grace from one another. If I offend someone and I cover that up, the Bible says I'm not going to prosper. If I sin against you and I cover that up, I'm not going to prosper, and, and it will begin to eat away at my soul. So the key for that is, is asking for forgiveness, it's confessing, and it's receiving the grace. So when somebody gives you grace, don't continue to beat yourself up. Accept the forgiveness of God. Two weeks ago, we looked at the fact that the Holy Spirit persuades us and convinces us that we are forgiven. And then sometimes it's psychological. <clears throat> People deal with extreme discouragement. People deal with emotional burnout. You know, all of us come to times where we're just, you know, we're just burned out or we've been discouraged. Life, you know, people going through the COVID crisis, that was a long year and a half. And now that masks are beginning to be removed and children are a bit, were able to go back to school and hopefully we're starting to see some return to normalcy. We don't want to drop our guard too quickly and see a, another resurgence of this like we've seen in other parts of the world like Japan or India or Europe or, or Brazil. These are places where uh, the, the COVID virus is still burning white hot. We don't want to drop our, our guard, but it begins to take a toll after a while. It begins to take a toll when the family is not able to get out and do things together. So when that happens, you need love, you need support, you need conversation with people that understand you, someone you can talk to. It's why we, we believe in community so much here and why we have small groups. Today, someone was talking to me and said, you know, it is amazing the difference that I am seeing in such and such a person since they began to attend small group. They're coming out of their shell. They're talking. They're growing. They're, they're developing. So that's very important as well. But sometimes these psychological things can be demonic in order. In other words, you're being oppressed by the enemy. You're, being, you're fighting a battle against the enemy. 
You're fighting against principalities and powers of darkness. I refer to that in the message Sunday morning about why it's so important to be full of the Holy Spirit. And when Paul goes, talks about that fullness of the Spirit, he immediately goes into the relationship of marriages. He goes into family relationships. He goes into how children should respond to their parents, how parents should respond to their children. He then begins to deal with employment issues. And then he begins to tell us that we're fighting not against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against principalities and powers of darkness. And he tells us there that the way we fight these, this thing, the way we fight this kind of enemy is not with medicine, it's not with conversation, but we fight it with the shield of faith, which is the Word of God, and we fight it by praying in the Spirit. Of course, we have our thoughts guarded with the helmet of salvation. We have our hearts guarded with the breastplate of righteousness. We wear our, the sandals of the gospel of peace. Those are having to do with how we think, guarding our hearts, our emotions, you know, our desires, and then how we walk in life with, a, with our shoes shod with the gospel of peace. But then the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, those are advancing weapons. Those are weapons where we march into the battle. I heard a preacher say years and years ago, there is no armor in the backside. The armor is all in the front. God doesn't call us to defeat. He calls us to victory. Somebody say amen out there. The next thing I'd like you to see is evil always has a pattern. And I would encourage you to study Romans chapter 1 especially, and you can see this pattern of evil that just kind of duplicates itself. And as, as you go through that pattern in the book of Romans, then you see that eventually as God, when people just commit themselves and sell themselves out to evil, then God turns them over to a depraved heart and to a depraved mind. Now, let me give you an example of how this happens. The Bible says that when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the burial caves, could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Now, stop right there. Notice this. Jesus met a man who came out of the tombs. No rabbi, no teacher of the law, no common Jew would have allowed themselves to be touched by somebody living among the tombs. They were considered unclean, much less somebody that was out of their mind the way this man was. Now, I want you to also notice there that the enemy had given him some sort of supernatural strength where he was able to break change. Remember what I said about Faust a while ago? You know, he sold his soul. Some people will sell their soul for power. Some people will sell their soul for money. Some people will sell their soul for sex. Some people will sell their soul for strength. Evidently, this man had made a Faustian agreement with the devil. So no one could restrain him, not even with a chain. So whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and he smashed the shackles and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Now, the, pattern, the point I want you to get here tonight is that not only does evil have a pattern, but you can recognize this pattern when evil spirits at work. They have knowledge, but they are not omniscient. 
And the fact that the devil may whisper something in your ear or you get one of those fiery darts that are fired against your, your mind. The Bible says that the enemy will shoot these fiery darts, which are thoughts. You know, he may condemn you for something you've done. He may condemn you for something that you've expressed before. But you need to understand the devil is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything you're thinking. The next thing you need to know is though he's wicked, he's unclean, and he's vicious. There are no devils that are your friends. And sometimes, you know, we see these little cartoon characters, and I know my family and I just recently watched a movie where an angel would be on this shoulder and a little devil would be on this shoulder whispering contradictory things to the character. And they were both supposed to be his friends, but there is no devil that is your friend. They are angry, they are vicious, and they seek to defeat the purposes of God and extend the power and the rule of Satan in our world. It's why the devil wanted Jesus to fall down and to worship him. I will give it all to you, he says, if you will kneel down and worship me. That has always been the goal of Satan from, I believe it's Isaiah 13 and 14, or it's 14 and 15, where Satan says he will exalt his throne above God's throne. He will exalt his rule. And so it's important that we understand what we're dealing with sometimes when we're dealing with something that is not disease, it's not sickness, it's not epilepsy, but when we're dealing with something, sometimes it may, be, it may be that someone is being oppressed by the enemy. But you also need to remember this. Though those evil spirits are strong, they are no match for Jesus Christ. They are no match for Jesus. You say, Pastor, why do you bring all this in? Well, the reason I bring this into this message tonight is because there are many people hurting. And if you're denying why you're hurting... If you're denying why you're hurting, you're never going to get any help. And so there are people that are being influenced, and I have them tell me all the time, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I'm doing that. You're not demon-possessed, but you are being influenced by the power of wicked spirits. Sometimes you just have this moment of insanity. You know in your most sane time you would not do that. You know in your most sane thinking you would not do that. And yet you do something that you look back on later and you go, that was insane when I do that. And I'm not talking about insane the way the kids do when they do a bungee jump or when they do a high dive or a cliff dive or, or you know, or they jump out of an airplane with a parachute and go, oh, that was insane. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things that we know that are insane that people do. But God cares about hurting people. And you might not be troubled in any way. Right now, at this point in my life, I'm not aware of anybody I know that's being troubled this way. I'm not aware of anybody I know that's being troubled this way. But I have ministered to people who were being troubled that way. Two things. We don't make a big deal out of it. We don't try to get them up in front of the church and have this dramatic deliverance service or anything like that. We just simply pray the prayer of faith. Not a big deal. We just simply say, Lord, you are more than powerful. One of the things that I loved, and my wife and I have talked about this several times, when Jesus prayed with Mary Magdala in the, the TV series Chosen, do you remember, if you've watched that yet, how Jesus just laid his hands upon her without any drama, but the power of God was manifested, and she was so set free, and everyone was so amazed at the change in Mary's life. Friends, Jesus doesn't need theatrics to get his will done. The devil is into theatrics. Jesus just simply delivers upon his word. Stand fast upon the word of God. 
Don't be a fool and deny that there is not a realm of the Spirit. Don't be afraid of the realm of the Spirit. And understand this, evil spirits are no match for God and His angels. Let me say that again. That's not in your outline. Evil spirits are no match for God and His angels. Look at what happened to this man. Jesus was getting into the boat. The story's concluding. Jesus was getting into the boat, and the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus says, no, go home to your family Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Hallelujah. You know, I can understand the man wants to go with Jesus, but Jesus loved his community so much, he says, no, go home and tell your family. I think there were several reasons he told him to go home for his family. Number one, he loved that family. He loved that community. Number two, there were other people that were afraid and troubled. And this man was going to be living proof that God healed him, that God delivered him. Occasionally, I have the opportunity to go and share my testimony of how God healed me. And I'm living proof of the miracle power and the working of God. And friends, whatever God does in your life, you are a living story and a living proof of that. Don't feel like you've got to dramatize it. Don't feel like you've got to sensationalize it. Just tell what God has done in your life. And the third thing is, I want you to see from these passages I've read to you tonight, is Jesus just simply comes as our healer. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes, we are free. I sing that song to this day to myself. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Surely he bore our sorrows. And by his stripes, we are healed. I'll sing that sometime before I go to the hospital or before a Sunday morning service. I'll sing that as I think about how we're going to pray for the sick and and right now how I step off the platform after the service and we pray for people on the side. I sing that to remind myself that Jesus has come not only to save us from our sins, but the reason we're in this series is he's come also to heal us of all of our diseases. He demonstrated this. Remember, two of the guys he called was Simon and Andrew. Simon was Peter, as we know him in the Bible. Well, Jesus goes to Simon's house. And again, I want to just ref, you know, refer you to the chosen. There's another beautiful depiction of this there. And let's look at what the word of the Lord says tonight. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. And they told Jesus about her right away. Now, stop right there. They told Jesus about her right away. You know, I don't think the film The Chosen really captures this as well as I'd like for them to capture it. You know, it was almost like Simon didn't want to trouble Jesus, but Jesus instead says, they tell Jesus and he goes right in there and they do a beautiful job of demonstrating how Jesus would have healed her. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, helped her sit up, and then the fever left her and she prepared a meal for them. It's what Jesus does. And so I'm asking you this evening, don't question the healing power of God. Don't doubt the healing power of God. Don't for one moment think that God doesn't care about your healing. He heals the brokenhearted. He bandages their wounds. And all of these stories that I'm sharing with you tonight demonstrate something to us very, very powerful. You know, for the sick, maybe a rabbi would have come. For the demon-possessed, maybe a rabbi would have come and, and just prayed some prayer out of a book or a manual, but he wouldn't have touched them. But this last one, as we get ready to wrap up, this is the one that 
this is the one that touches me at the core of my being, and that is that Jesus touches the untouchable. Jesus touches the untouchable. People that others would not even deign to touch. People that others wanted to shun and stay away from. People that others were ashamed of. People that others, they were actually hostile towards them. Even though they couldn't help themselves and they couldn't help the disease that they had, Jesus still reached out to them. How many years would it have been since they had been touched? And the Bible has it a beautiful and an amazing way of illustrating this to us. A man with leprosy. Boy, a, a leper had to cry out unclean. A leper had to be on the other side of the street. People would run to get away from a leper. Can you imagine being looked at all the time and mocked? Can you imagine being looked at all the time and laughed at? Can you imagine people turning their noses up at you? I'm telling you, I know the feeling of that. I know the feeling of being laughed at and mocked at. I know the feeling of there being a smell about me that could never go away. I know the feeling of all of that and people just, you know, coming into a room and sometimes people moving over to the side. Those are memories that I'm healed from. Those are memories that I'm over. But when I read this story, and though what I had wasn't nearly as terrible as leprosy that would gradually just eat up a man, I understand, I think, to a little bit. I have some compassion with what he's going through. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus. The very fact that Jesus stood still when he came and knelt in front of him. The very fact that he could approach Jesus. The very fact that Jesus didn't run from him or, or have someone beat him away with a stick. He knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. And Jesus, look at this. His heart was touched. This is God's heart for hurting people. Move with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Don't move too quick off of that. I am willing, he said, be healed. And that's what I've heard the, quote, big-time speakers and evangelists narrow in on. I am willing to be healed. But what gets me is that Jesus reached out and touched him. If you were to ask my wife, she'd tell you my love language is touch. I've missed shaking hands with folks. I've missed being able to hug necks. My love language is touch. There's something about the touch of another human being that means the world to us. And when you've been deprived of human touch, when you've deprived of people just listening to you, when you've been deprived of anybody understanding you, and you even had the opportunity to kneel in front of Jesus. For instance, how I feel every day when I kneel in the presence of the Lord. The only reason I'm there is because he touched me, and he made me clean, and he made me whole, and he forgave my sins. And the only reason I get to be a pastor tonight, the only reason I get to be a husband, the only reason I get to be a father and a grandfather is because Jesus touched me. You see, it's the touch of Jesus that heals you. But why does Jesus touch us? Because he's moved with compassion. And it just grieves me when I hear people talking about God being this angry, judgmental, bitter God. He's not that. He's a God moved with compassion. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. Hallelujah. Isn't that powerful? Don't you just want to lift your hands right now and just worship him and thank him? You know, 
I've got to wrap it up. The time is gone. But clearly, it is God's heart of compassion that is revealed in the life, but also the ministry of Jesus. And by the way, that should be revealed in the life and the ministry of the church. If the church is not like Jesus, then the church is not being the church. If the church is not showing compassion to hurting people, if the church is not bringing salvation and healing and deliverance in Jesus' name, if we're not ministering like that, we're clearly not the church. The next thing I want you to see is clearly it's God's heart to care about where you and I hurt at. God cares about your pain tonight. God cares about, it may be physical pain, it may be emotional pain, it may be depression, it may be physiological, it may be psychological, it may be tonight spiritual because you're being attacked by the enemy, but God cares where you and I hurt. And clearly God has an answer for you tonight. It's God's will to heal you and me. I believe that with all of my heart. But like I said last week, when I pray, I ask God confidently every single time, God, I'm asking you to heal. I'm asking you to heal. God, I believe you for healing. But I always leave the results in God's hands. And the reason for that is I know for every one of us that one day it's appointed for each of us to die. Let me go back to that song. Alone again naturally. It is not the will of God that any of us be alone. It is not the will of God that you be left for lurch, you be left for lurch in a church. It is not the will of God that even if your spouse, and I know some of you have lost your husband or you've lost your wife or you've lost a son or a daughter, and maybe you feel so alone in this world. There is a church here for you that loves in the name of Jesus. I love this congregation. Woodland has this unusual ability to express the love of God boldly through the members and the attenders of this church, people who call it their home. Sometimes people tell me they just feel the love in the place. It's the spirit and the presence of Christ with us. It's not God's will that you be alone. And I want to tell you this too. If you're hurting tonight, it's not God's will for you to give up. I mean, it's not even God's will for you to give up to come to the place where you're saying, Lord, I'm ready to die. God doesn't want you to be a Jonah saying, I'm ready to die. God doesn't want you to go over in the corner and say, Lord, take me home. Now, that's different when you realize you've ran your course, and you can say like Simon said when he saw the infant Lord Jesus, and he says, now, Lord, let your servant depart in peace, for I have seen your Messiah. There's a big difference between knowing when it's time to go home and there's a big difference in giving up. God cares. God's compassion is revealed. And God has the power to heal, to save, deliver, and cleanse you from whatever it is that troubles you. Well, I'm looking forward to bringing another message on this next week for you. So let's pray together. And I want to pray specifically for you this evening if you're hurting. Father, I thank you so much for the word of the Lord. I thank you for the privilege of being able to teach it and to share it tonight. And Lord, I pray that nobody will just click off during this prayer, but that you'll just agree with me in prayer right now. If you're not hurting, <clears throat> agree with me in prayer. Lord, tonight, there's someone that they're just troubled because of the insane decisions that they continue to make. They don't know why they make them. They don't even want to make them. And I ask you in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, you will bring clarity to their mind. Lord, you will forgive them of their sins. You will help them overcome their temptations and live for you.
Father, I pray for that one tonight that may have somewhere along the line made a pact with the devil, they think, and the enemy is saying to them, God will never take you. God will never forgive you. You may as well give up. You Be like Judas. Just, just hang yourself and die. But Lord, you are the one. Satan is no match for the power and the strength of God. And I intercede for them tonight. And I ask you to deliver them. And I ask you to set them free right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for that one that is just sick tonight. There's just something maybe physiologically wrong or something emotionally wrong. You are the great physician. And I pray for healing in their bodies. And then finally, Lord, I pray for those who just feel like they're untouchable. They feel like no one wants to be close to them. There's no one that will love them like you do. And I pray that you'll help them to know that at this church, Lord, they will find people who will love them and minister to them in compassion and care. For it's in Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Sorry to go a little longer tonight, but I felt like this was an important foundational cornerstone for the subject of healing. I love you so much. Please don't forget your tithes and your offerings. You can give, again, by texting to give, going online to give at woodland.church, or just use the church app and give tonight. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday morning.